Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're happy that you've taken time out of your day to download the podcast and listen to it. We certainly hope and pray that you would be edified, learn more about Christ, and that He would be glorified. Again, if you want to find out more information about us, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. And there you can find out uh, more about us. You can find links to our uh, social media accounts, a prayer request page. And if you're a prayer warrior, I'd like to encourage you to go there and, and pray for those people who have taken time out of their day to ask for prayers. They're from all around the world, and, and many people uh, that have submitted uh, prayer requests had to do so and, and pay at an internet cafe. And, and it's quite an ordeal. If you've ever been to a third world country, you'll understand what I'm trying to say here. Today we're going to talk about a church that made God sick. A church that made God sick. This will be the the final uh, series, 7 out of 7. If you've missed any of the previous, I'd encourage you to to go back and download those and listen to those. Uh, We try to do them all in order. And we will be in Revelation chapter 3. If you want to open a Bible and follow along, it would be good. Before we do that, I'm going to read out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you want to download one, there's many available on the internet. You can go to our webpage there as well and click on the uh, daily verse, and that will take you to a uh, webpage there. You can find Bibles in many different languages and different versions at no cost. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Isaiah chapter 10, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give an ear to the instruction of our God. You people of Gomorrah, what are you? Multiply sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of fed cattle. And I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires this of you of trampling my court? Bring your worthless offerings no more to me. Your new moon Sabbath, the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feast. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan and plead for the widow. Verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. You will eat the best of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Probably the most uh, popular verses of Isaiah, one of them anyway, uh, about our sins becoming uh, white as snow. God wants to erase those sins. You know, when I recall when I was a boy, 
I was offered a piece of gum by a friend, and my parents, they always told me, you know, don't take gum from friends or candy from strangers, you know, those kind of talks. But I did anyway. I took it, and I started to chew on it, and within, I mean, a moment, I was spitting it out because it tasted like dirt. It, it was disgusting. Of course, that's gum you can buy as a practical joke type thing, and, and that's all it really was. You know, I I recall eating a, a meal one night that someone had cooked for me, uh, and the first bite was all it took for me to, to spit it out and not eat the rest. Of course, that really made for some very hard feelings, and I'm sure many of us have had that kind of experience at one time or another, such as this. This letter being sent by Jesus through the Apostle John to the church in Laodicea is one of the most arresting proclamations ever made coming from Christ's lips. One cannot read this passage without being stirred, for its words are so gripping that it should startle all of us. Just as much as a tornado coming at you or a hurricane coming at you does, it should get your attention. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, there's an emotion here used by Christ in these words that I believe are used nowhere else in the entire Word of God. Oh yes, there are times throughout Scripture when Christ is grieved. There are times when Christ is seen angry, very upset. But in this passage of Scripture, we see him just being genuinely disgusted. He's just not just a little upset. Rather, he is so upset that he has become literally nauseated. Just who is it that Jesus is addressing here in this passage of Scripture? Again, this is not some daring, root-out sinner, non-Christian, an atheist, whatever. This is not a decree to a murderer or the town drunk. This is a passage that we find him addressing the church. I mean, he's writing to a group of people who have organized under this banner, under this flag, calling themselves Christian. No doubt, at one time, this was a group of Christ followers who sole purpose was to see their town won over to Christ. Their, their mission was heartfelt. They, they knew where they were headed. But tragically, something has really gone wrong. If you really study this church for very long, you will find out that they had pride in themselves. At not just being Christians, but being a superior grade of Christians. And we have that same issue going on in the church today. Yet sadly, when Christ addressed them, 
he he it's, it's not a good word that he has to say about him what was wrong do you suppose what is what is the, the town itself is is this like another Sodom like out of the book of Genesis had something gone wrong in the town that would disgrace the church you know as I did some research on this church that we're talking about this week and I found out that it was located about 100 miles straight east of Ephesus it was a very fertile valley along Colossae and the great Roman road that stretched uh, from Asia to the coast of Ephesus would run straight through the center here this made the city a very important trade and communication post. The city was actually known for four things. First of all, it was known for its wealth. It was financially a banking center for the whole area, and it had money to burn, we might say. So wealthy, in fact, after the great earthquake in AD 17, which destroyed it, the people refused imperial help in rebuilding the city, choosing rather to do it themselves entirely. It, it might be like New Orleans refusing government help way back when Katrina uh, went through and replacing all the buildings and all the infrastructure and the levees. It was so rich that it really did not need any government help. Thirdly, it was, it was famous for its schools of medicine, uh, particularly for a, a special eye ointment. This was famous for its ability to cure eye defects. But for all of its fame, the city was also known for something else. In verse 18, it, it had a horrible water supply. Despite its wealth, it did not have a local water supply that was sufficient to provide for its population. And so an aqueduct was, was built to bring water in from hot springs six miles away. And along the, its journey overland to this town, it cooled until it was lukewarm when it arrived. Remember this because it takes on significance here shortly. Some others water problems in sort they kind of had this fairly uh, decent place to live i mean it was a it was nice to raise a family there from what i can understand and read so we can't determine that it wasn't you know a, a map problem or a, ge a geographic problem it was a slumping economy that was a problem no church plain and simple it, it was a spiritual problem Somewhere in the structure of that once booming church down on the corner, somehow that church with a vision, something had gone wrong. It's, gone, it's just gone away. And let me add, nowhere does Jesus fault them for their organization. I find no complaints even about their doctrine. But rather he is disgusted with their half-hearted limp commitment. Somehow the drive had gone. Some way or another, the enemy had stuck, snuck in and, and taken joy out of being a servant for the Lord and the church. 
their passion seems to be lost as it's just completely they're, they're lost their earnest to to be all that God wanted to be has vanished oh the church seems to be full of people but the church has no zeal and these Christians have no glow of Christ upon their face they're they're sitting there on the bench or on the pew in the chair they're they are non-supported with the vision that Christ has given them. They have uh, no go, giddy up and go left in their walk with God. And most significantly of all, they no longer are making an impact in their community. Why do you suppose Christ is so irritated at lukewarm? Why does he hate it more than a positive or aggression sin. Again, listen to these words. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. And listeners, God wants us to be sold out for Him today. I mean, He wants us to be all in all. He wants us to be on fire for Him. But He also declares that if, if we're not going to be positively hot for him then he'd rather just be positively cold if we're not going to be genuinely for him then be genuinely against him there is nothing hear me listeners there is nothing anywhere else that is printed in the word of God that he hates and despises more than lukewarmness And and this idea, I want to spit you out of my mouth. Well, it's a nice way of saying it. In the original Greek, it says more like, I want to vomit. Okay? It's pretty graphic. And let me give you three reasons why he hates it so much. He hates it because lukewarmness, first of all, is, is offensive to both God and man. No doubt... Several of us listening are, are, are planning on doing something else later on. Maybe it's not so godly, Christian-like. I, know I find it interesting that people will, will go to a ball game and man, they'll be so excited and root for the home team and they'll spend money and they'll walk forever in a day. They'll sit out in the weather. They won't do that when it comes to church. Would you be upset if, if you paid big bucks to watch a, a professional uh, football game, baseball, soccer, whatever, and, and the players came out kind of half-hearted? Kind of this limp, lifeless team came, comes out on the field. Would you be upset? I mean, you're spending your hard-earned money to watch this game? The church had become so half-hearted Oh, sure, they came, and and sure, the place, you know, was packed. The building was full. They dressed the part. But apparently here also I get this idea that there's no joy. When God looked at this congregation, he remembered the incredible plan of salvation that he had made and the enormous price it cost heaven. And he saw the poor effort of this congregation. They, 
He was offended and became so angry that it made him sick to his stomach. God hates lukewarmness because it, it robs its victim of all possibility of progress. You see, this is true because lukewarmness is a byproduct or an offspring of self-satisfaction. The congregation was well satisfied, well content with the way things were. You know, I wonder if, if I had just feel, finished building a, a new facility and put the, the parking lot was all nice and pretty and a new fancy roof and uh, the nursery is fully staffed, there's a, a teen department, the sound system never squeaked. In fact, they, they had all the knowledge of God in, the, in all the spiritual power they cared to have. They might have actually even thought they had finally arrived. But in the midst of all of this, in their satisfaction, they lost their eagerness for God, for God's direction, for their congregation. Without knowing or understanding this, that their drive, their purpose for existence had died. Their forward progress had stopped. They had climbed as high as a spiritual mountain as they wanted to climb. They had learned as much about God and His holiness as they really, all they really wanted to learn. They had grown as large as they wanted to grow. And God looked at them and said, I know you inside and out. I know you from top to bottom. And I find very little to my liking. You're not cold, you're not hot, far better to either be hot or cold. You're stale, you're stagnant, and you make me want to vomit. The third thing is God hates lukewarmness because it kills our possibilities of being useful. Their battle to, to spread the good news had been lost. Their lukewarmness had made them because tasteless and effective people. Impossible had become their secret password. They had become tasteless in God's mouth. His blessings upon them was gone. You can see the awfulness of their, their situation. Like so many congregations today... They, they were meeting, uh, they're going through the motions, they're singing their songs, and they're doing the Lord's Supper, they're taking up their collections, and kumbaya. But perhaps they don't even realize their usefulness to the kingdom has been gone for some time. And maybe they don't even realize it. Maybe they don't care. I like to lean more upon that they just they don't understand what's really happened. You see, they had become so wrapped up in their predictable service and their customary style that there was no room left for God's blessing, and he declares, I have no use for you. You make me sick. In closing this podcast, I wonder how many today, if we all examined our hearts, if 
the spiritual leaders, and we have uh, several pastors and preachers, they call themselves ministers, that listen to this podcast from around the world. Even, even those that perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time. I mean, how is your spiritual temperature today? Are you as hot for God as you once were, or have you settled down to this lukewarm, non-productive ride, uh, thinking you're going to be able to slide right on in to the pearly gates? I wonder how many are still excited about Christ as, as they first were when they first obeyed the gospel, or have they all forgotten? I know not everybody has, but I, I've often wondered. You know, I, I I watch people being a pulpit minister and different uh, missionary over 20 years, different places. You can see the people who are excited about being in the church or excited about going out and helping uh, talk to the locals or handing out tracts, whatever it is that we've done over the years. And you can tell who's really excited and who really wants to do it and who does not. You know, I know a congregation, a really large congregation. And the men all take turns leading prayers and songs and doing the Lord's table and all. And they believe, some of these guys actually believe they've done their service for their congregation. Once a year they'll get up and do that. Because that's how large the group is. And they don't have to do anything else. They don't give their service to God for the year. Uh, Giving service to God is a daily thing. For a Christian. Helping out the kingdom is a daily thing for a Christian. I wonder how many unsafe friends we have that are maybe even listening. Do you get up every morning excited to face the day? Or are you in reality dreading life because you can't find any purpose in it? Is there a cure for all this lukewarmness? Can our our dead enthusiasm be revived? Can a half-hearted attempt at seeking Him become a whole-hearted attempt? Oh, thank God. Yes, it can. God is a God of many chances. Some people only give you a second chance and then they're done with you. But God, He continuously gives us chance after chance after chance. I must confess to you today, I I never want to be part of a church group that wants to make God violent. I I never want to be the person, as an individual, that would make God violent. We need to take our our salvation with great appreciation, the cost that it it cost Jesus his life. He had to shed blood for us. He, He went through great pain, and persecution and he went through all this for you and me and the ones who were dealing it out actually were people who claimed to be God's people stop and think about that for a few moments as we conclude this series of seven I I hope that if you've missed any of them that uh, you'd go back and, and download the others there on our webpage or at your favorite podcast app. And please tell your friends about us. 
if you like us, hit that like button. Make sure to hit the follow so when we do release our, our podcast weekly, uh, you'll get an alert that we have released it. And we ask that you pray for us as we continue to strive each and every week to, to put a, a podcast together uh, to answer questions that do come in from listeners from around the world. Uh, we hopefully here soon will have enough questions again that uh, we can put into a podcast. We had a few come in. They just asked us that we not put them over the air. So that's fine. We did respond to that. And so please check out the prayer list. Again, I know I've said all this before at the beginning, but uh, biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word. And uh, please, please tell your friends about us. Thank you for listening. And may God bless you. And may He have the glory.